Football is a game of aesthetics. It's all about what does it look like? Football is a game of tradition. The man who wins the penalty can't take it. <laughs> Football is a game of passion. Oh, bollocks, Villa have scored. And that is why we love it. Fuck me, why is this stupid game back? I think that was a real low point for me in my life. It's time to turn the volume down. Goals scored by new signings are the only ones that count. Penalties don't count. And Mamoru Saku having an absolute howler. That doesn't count either. The worst 90 minutes of football in Premier League history. He's a fraud. Sedan's a fraud. Everyone's favourite statistical fraud. Brendan Rodgers. All about the aesthetics, that's what Absolutely. we like to see. That is just a bit of stat padding. Individual sport masquerading as a team game. Look at his Instagram, he's the ultimate beat of me. BBC Sport decided to advertise their TikTok account. Yuck. <laughs> it just doesn't get any better than that. Hello and welcome to Under the Floodlights this week on the show. In the shock result of the weekend, Newcastle United turned into prime 2015 Barcelona against Leicester just to add a bit of spice to the running. There were a few tactical red cards handed out to players with nothing to play for. As Ollie Watkins was sent off for being a diver, Neil Mopé was sent off for being a melt and Lewis Dunk was sent off for being old and slow. Is Ryan Mason damaging Harry Kane's chances of winning the Golden Boot, does Sergio Busquets still wake up in cold sweats thinking about Barca's collapse at Anfield? And was Sergio Aguero's penalty howler against Chelsea all a big elaborate setup for the perfect redemption and send-off moment in the 90th minute of the upcoming Champions League final? My name's Darren Scott and I'm joined as always by Bailey Hutchison, Christopher Ringland. Guys, good to be with you. Yeah, I have to say it was. Uh, I, I was impressed that um, the Premier League teams continue to smack everybody else in, in Europe and it's quite a bizarre turnaround for Chelsea, I have to say, but this for compared to where they started this season. But good for City, good for Chelsea. Big shout at the Florentino Perez this week. You know, he's getting once this week Super League gets smacked by Chelsea. It was it was great to see the likes of Benzema and Marcelo and Ramos sent packing. Indeed. Marcelo avoided jury duty. <laughs> jury duty <laughs> as well. Yeah, he was called in for jury duty. He was conveniently let go for the game. <laughs> sick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, listen, the, the obvious starting point it probably is with um, the warm-up to the Champions League final uh, this weekend that well, we between Chelsea and Manchester City. I say warm-up, we use that loosely. City made nine changes um, <laughs> in what was probably just a massive let's do what we're definitely not going to do in the Champions League <laughs> final for mental mind games and whatever overthinkers want to make of that situation. But But Chelsea did win the game. Uh, they won the game by two goals to one. Uh, I think Manchester City took the lead, didn't they? Um, before Sergio Aguero uh, missed yeah. a penalty where he tried to penenka the keeper, got it horribly wrong. Uh, and then Chelsea in the second half uh, created a good few chances, scored a couple of goals and, and won the game. Uh, does it mean much? Maybe. Uh, Chelsea have really solidified their place now. I think they're up into third in the table. Um but obviously, the the talking point was the the weighting that this put on the Champions League final. Uh, guys, what do you think of this one? Um, I I don't know about you, but when Adam Lukman did the exact same thing earlier in the season, where against West Ham for Fulham, when he tried to Penenka and then it went horribly wrong, I feel like he got more beef than Aguero's got for this. I haven't really <laughs> heard that much about it this weekend. I know Aguero is one of the best strikers to ever play the game, but that's just um, notable. Um, City were pretty pretty bad, and we and you, you know when City are bad when in the post match interview Pep goes back to his first season at City short answer to the journalists very where he says, yep or uh huh etc. Um, <laughs> I think Benjamin Mendy can't play for them again. I think he is an incredible liability to that team. Uh, I know he's had lots of injuries, but that's the way it 
goes. Um, and a couple of, like, I, what, like, what were they doing half the time? They were just like giving it to Chelsea half the game. I, I, I don't really. I mean, it was a strange formation as well. He had like Sterling and Torres playing like in midfield, basically, and then like Mendy and Cancelo. It was very, it was very odd. I don't know. No, it's, it's the classic Guardiola overthink it. He went out on Saturday to, to try and overthink the final three weeks early. He's like, I'm going to try and match this lot up. And yeah, as you say, Benjamin Mendy, I, France now have two left backs called Mendy and neither of them are half decent at football. I've watched them both this week be pathetic against Chelsea. Oh, is that the Real Madrid Mendy? Yeah, Big right. Furland. Honestly, yeah. Didier Deschamps must have the same nightmares Pep does about left back. Uh, the penalty from Aguero hilarious situation for the penalty obviously the first first city goal comes from an andreas christensen error which i haven't seen in quite some time it's actually yeah that, that was that was due that was yeah due. it's been way way overdue i've been like praising this guy for a while now thinking i, I wouldn't like i'd never thought a manager could turn him into a half decent defender the way Tukal has and then he goes and does that and probably wrecks his hamstring that's going to put him out two three weeks probably Will definitely miss an FA Cup final. Likely misses a Champions League final. Aguero has a, a shocking touch. <laughs> Just the, hit the <laughs> yeah. confidence of Raheem because Raheem hasn't done done it lately. Yeah, I did so wonder is the is the the injury that Christensen had. Do you reckon that was a real injury or is it sort of an egg on the face injury of just <laughs> I've got to leave the game here? Yeah, no, I think pure egg on the face. I think he <laughs> he's smart enough to know now, and I think it's one of those where he goes down hoping. Hoping VAR overrules it, try and get a file. Yeah, and then unfortunately from there, a woeful couple of minutes for Chelsea. The the middle centre back goes off. Tuchel tries to bring on Kurt Zuma. The referee, for whatever reason, doesn't allow the substitute that substitution to happen. City get themselves into the box, and Billy Gilmore does what Billy Gilmore shouldn't do, and tries to make a tackle uh, in the penalty area. It wasn't a penalty. It, that was a joke. I was really annoyed at that. Yeah, but then it's one of, in my head, I'm just looking at it going, right, Big Kurt should have been on there. That wouldn't have happened. And then Sergio, like Man City's penalty takers, horrendous. Should have put Rodri back on it. Mm-hmm. Per, per, they've missed nine since the start of last season. Oh, Ederson must be fuming. He hasn't got <laughs> May as well get him to take it. Because, yeah. Yeah, exactly. The rest of this lot are a shambles. Mm. The point where Mendy goes down and has enough time to get back up, I yeah, Sergio took some stick from himself at that point. I I find it disrespectful. At one nil up to try and chip a goalkeeper, wise up fella, not having <laughs> not having that one bit, and absolutely served this lot right to lose this game two one as a result. There was yeah. a few interesting things with the goals for me. Um, obviously you talked about. The, the first goal, Aguero took a dreadful touch and Sterling managed to tap it in. I don't know if you got the bit of dialogue between the two of them afterwards where, again, I yeah. don't know I wasn't there, but reading body language, uh, Aguero was pretty pissed off that Sterling took it off him. Um, it seemed like he, it looked like he was insinuating that I had that completely under control and I was going to kick it <laughs> in the net. Um, which, if you watch the replay, no, he didn't and no, he wasn't. Um, <laughs> Sterling absolutely did the right thing. But again, on Twitter, um, after the game, Aguero was quick to put out a tweet apologising for his penalty, accepting oh, responsibility. Not at all. And I don't know if you <laughs> clocked, but Raheem Sterling himself 
uh, tweeted back to him saying something along the lines of Hermano, it's a team game, we all oh. take this, blah, 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 which is basically oh, Raheem, no. you know, he's had it in the ear from Sergio that, uh, that you stole my goal and now Raheem's on the on the charm offensive to try and get back in the good books of a player who's going to have a statue made. No, no, that, that tweet from Sergio, I despise that. <laughs> Go, coming out on Twitter being like, I apologise for my actions. Wise up. <laughs> I don't know how many goals. Knock it in the head, be a man, move on. There, you've won everything there is to win a game. Wise up over one penalty. I I also, uh, it, was, it was good goalkeeping for Mendy as well to make himself, uh, I know it was a terrible penalty, but it was good. Um, I'm really impressed with Billy Gilmore. I don't know how you feel about this, Darren, as the other non-Chelsea um, perspective, but I, I, I know Messi um, is obviously very small as well, but he he is not the um, physique to be a Premier League footballer, especially a, like a box-to-box midfielder type. Um, I think he's really good, really. Um, I think he's um, he's going to do well. I think he's a he's a very talented player. Um, he doesn't pass the eye test for me. <laughs> I've talked before about what. I've You've talked, ever I, come on here. I've talked before. His hair was all right. I thought. No, no, it's not even that. It's it's more the physique thing. We've talked in the past about thick well, boys. He's so he's, small. He's definitely not a thick boy. I I I said after two games last season, uh, whenever. Billy schooled Liverpool in the FA Cup and then schooled Everton. The Billy, like I've just started calling him Super Billy Gilmore ever since. He's my favorite player. He does just remind me a lot of myself. <laughs> I, I never guy. thought about yeah. People around him can't understand the word he's saying. Bit of a chav. <laughs> like I, I adore this guy. And whenever, whenever, like especially against Fulham, there was a lot of times where players just ran past the kid, and I go, oh, "This is tough look for Bill." Like the Premier League is so physical. And even first half on Saturday, up against Rodri, and Rodri was playing by himself. He wasn't really in the game. Six second three, half, Rodri. Second half, Bill was absolutely superb. Just some of the balls he was playing, all, always looking forward, easy passes the N'Golo when needed. Absolutely fantastic performance from him, especially against Man City, which I didn't. I was quite concerned. I was like, if he goes out against Man City here and gets killed. That's Tuchel looking at him forever now. Like, he's not getting in my team again. But a performance like that, he's definitely in the plans for next season. Yeah, I think Billy's performance and generally the team performance, I think I think they're all kind of well-suited to play against teams like City. You know, Chelsea are a good team now when they sit a little bit deeper, defend really well. Uh, Gilmore's maybe got less of the box-to-box job to be doing. He's got Kante beside him, which helps. And then when he gets the ball, he's able just to ping it you know, down into channels yeah. and you've got some guys who are going through and behind. So I think Chelsea are probably one of the better teams at the moment who are uh, are more well-suited to, to playing teams like Manchester City and, and causing them a lot of problems. Hmm. Um, you know, like sometimes when I've seen Liverpool play City, it's kind of just two really good attacks going at each other and whichever attack plays better on the day wins the game. Um, I think like there's been some big results on both ends. I think Liverpool have gone and beat three or four um, goals past City in the past. And on the flip side, I think City at one point put six past Liverpool a couple of years ago. They put four past them earlier on this season. So um, I think it's a lot more tactical between um, Man City and Chelsea. And it's much more interesting because it's two very... Um, distinct mm-hmm. and different ways of of playing. Um, one another thing I just wanted to pick up on in this game: Timo Werner, when he's offside, shows incredible composure in front of goal. Oh, he's fantastic! Like if he could just harness that mentality when he is onside, he'd score a hat foot. 
Uh, absolutely. I don't, I don't know what it is with the guy. That yeah, whenever he looks across and sees the flag still dying, he's going, oh, here we go. Yeah. There's just something in his brain. Scores just clicks. And there was then, two this weekend, wasn't it? There was two, and then yeah. Hudson Adoy yeah. had one, right. which Werner yeah. was also offside in that situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, yeah. if the ball had a. <laughs> fallen to him in that situation uh, Timo, Timo gets another assist what, one person in this game who has cemented his place in the, the Champions League final lineup is Hakim Hakim, All right. I've not rated the guy this year I'll be honest, he's in now the team he, I thought he looked good at the start yeah, there was that game against Sheffield and then he just completely fell away from it but this is now two goals against Man City mm. you can't drop the guy now and this is coming in a week after where City looked brilliant against PSG Everyone's ranting and raving about Ruben Diaz, how fantastic he is, how Ruben Diaz is shut out. Uh, the Hallands, the Mbappes, the Neymars, the Harry Kanes. Meanwhile, Hakeem has scored twice against them. <laughs> PSG is another good example of just sort of two good attacks going at each other. Mm. Um, just a shame about the mentality of that football club. Yeah, they are a bad Well, lot. dude. Uh, yes, no. Uh, yeah, that, <laughs> Good for Scotland as well. Uh, Billy, uh, they've got McTominay and Gilmore to steal them up for years to come. But I have to say, like, just in general in Chelsea, I I still struggle to like Tuchel. But my days, he has done a sensational job. I, I don't think it's actually been really... Uh, I don't think people are aware how outrageously important that result is to get three points against City with things in the top four as well. Like That is a ridiculous result for Chelsea. Like oh. he, he has literally done... Nothing wrong since like it couldn't have gone any better since he came in. I, I, I could not have imagined that you should be in this position um, at the start of the season. No, absolutely. Like since the guys come in, it's as though he's like it's if he were in a FIFA career mode, he's just turned the difficulty down, and it's just <laughs> like it's like seventy percent possession every week, a clean sheet here and there. And he's like the luck as well for that Marcus Alonso goal. I still don't know how it's gone in. Uh, like zero idea. And that, this was a guy who had no future at the football club in January. I was calling for this guy's head. Rightly so. Uh, yeah, completely justified. But the guy has this weird knack of late goals. I remember a game against Tottenham at Wembley in a derby and guy scored like a 90th minute winner here's another one he just has a knack of getting in the box late in the game i don't see much of a future still but to score that that goal that goal's huge this season my opinion on tukal i'm kind of with you chris i still don't like the guy now my opinion on him has changed haven't seen more of him um i think the perception i had of him was that he was this quite cold Mm. um very assured of himself character and i do get the the confident side of him i see that but he does yeah. seem to be a lot warmer with his players than i had expected like and they the chelsea players you know judging by reactions at full time in the game at the weekend um do seem to have warmed to him so I, that's kind of changed my perception a little bit and i know at the time it was a controversial decision to be sack and frank but you now look at it and just think it's the best decision Abramovich has made in a long time mm-hmm. i think especially we'll go on to talk about it later whenever you see whenever we talk about tottenham leads i think just the whole change of having a coach who's coached for years knows this formation in and out like his coaching methods have just paid dividends like everyone seems to have just raised the level and for that for this 
group of players to get the Champions League final, having beaten Real Madrid like well over two legs. Like Real Madrid weren't really in the tide. They've now beaten City, looking good for top four in FA Cup. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. So it's crazy how good he's been able to get this team. And let's there not forget zero his... hope for it. Yeah, let's ago. let's not forget as well. Like Frank was doing okay. You know, there was a, a time when Chelsea were top of the league under mm. Frank, but obviously playing mm. a very different way. And then the form turned a little bit. I think the relating it to what you're saying about Tottenham, the biggest difference is you know Tuchel was lined up before Frank was sacked, and whether you think that's right oh, or definitely. wrong, yeah. it doesn't really matter. The mm. point is there was a manager that Abramovich believed was a better man for the job than the guy who was currently there. They lined him up and then he came in, obviously, as soon as Frank was sacked. Whereas you look at the Tottenham situation where Jose Mourinho was sacked, it's clear that there was nobody lined up to immediately replace him. And now, I mean, I saw Graham Potter was uh, rumoured to turn down the Spurs yeah. job. Like, they are just <laughs> flying through candidates at the moment. I think that's... Is, is that legit? That's Yeah, that's the, the difference, I guess, in... Ownership and, and running the club and managing it, and you know whether you like managers being tapped up before other managers are sacked or not. You know that succession planning is hugely important, and, and it's made the big difference for Chelsea, and it's what might go on to hinder Spurs in their search. Okay, do we want to move on to the the shock result um, of this weekend? Uh, Newcastle United uh, beating Leicester City by four goals to two. They were four nil up. Um, this was a wild result. I mean, we had a, a friend of the party, a big Newcastle fan, uh, text in saying he can't remember the last time Newcastle scored four. Um, <laughs> Leicester kind of, it was an on the beach performance from Leicester. There were mistakes all around the place. Sionchu for the first goal, uh, mm. Castagna, I think, for the third goal. Like, really, really basic errors that you, A, wouldn't associate with Leicester based on how they've played this year, and B, you wouldn't associate with any team who are definitely still fighting for their lives in terms of top four. I think, so when I said Newcastle were down, <laughs> I, <laughs> that was on the premise that I, I didn't think that Callum Wilson and Alan Maximan coming back would make such an outrageous mm. difference uh, to that team. And Joe Willock. Um, <laughs> and Joe Willock, um, who finally got to start, uh, Darren, um, and, uh, and they'd scored. I think, like, I... Well, Johnny Evans got injured in the warm-up, and that might have thrown the defence. But it's still so in tune for Fana and Castagna and Albrighton. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, like there's no reason why they should have started like that. I mean, I mean, it just goes to show that if you're not on, you know, 100%, this is what happens in the Premier League. It doesn't matter who you're playing. Uh, but it's very, very strange, considering the um, tightness of the top four race, that um, that, that... I mean, Kletchi and Atcher scored again, um, so like that, but... Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, Darren, you say shock result, is it though? Like Newcastle. Yeah. It is. Newcastle, ever since Callum Wilson's comeback, are just well and truly on the up. Leicester lose Johnny Evans in a warm up. It's that time of the season where it's important to turn up the games. Leicester don't traditionally like that after last season. I, like, this was always going to be a game Callum Wilson scored in. And I think you could see the confidence running through the guy. I believe on his second goal, where he's through one-on-one with uh, Kasper Schmeichel, hits the post, but <laughs> as he hits the post, runs away celebrating, uh, and then realises, oh, this hasn't gone in, and then from a stupidly tight angle, just tucks it back in again. Very calm. This I, guy I, is unbelievably good at football. 12 goals this season, 
I think he's been he's missed most of the year. Mm-hmm. This should be a guy I think Tottenham, if Harry Kane goes this summer, I think Tottenham should be all over him. Yeah. yeah. I, think he's fin- I think he's that good. Like, and you saw Matt Ritchie's ball for that, which was one of the best balls I've seen this season. It was mm, Steve Bruce will give him no credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's also good to see Mark Albrighton still plays for Leicester. I mean, he is the ultimate engine, just like underrated player in the Premier League. Great goal as well. There good you saw that goal. Did Stunning well. finish. Yeah. yeah. And, Stay hip. <laughs> yes, and that was also uh, Paul Dummett's first goal since 2016. Bullet uh, header. Great, great header, so good for Paul. <laughs> and then obviously Joe, Joe Willick at the moment can't stop, and it's now the point. Joe has to be thinking, Joe and his agent have to have to sit down this summer and go, are we better off at Newcastle or Arsenal? Because based on the past few weeks, Newcastle like the club to be at rather than Arsenal. St. Maxman back, Callum Wilson back. Newcastle don't look half bad. So he's a good player, yeah. So Lester and I, obviously, we've we've joked about it um, throughout the season about how Bailey and I were firm believers that Leicester were going to throw this away. Um, come the end of the season, that's a couple of you know drew at Southampton, lost this week to Newcastle. They then play Manchester United and then Chelsea and then Tottenham. It's all getting a little bit twitchy. Well, Tottenham's a free one, but um, I, I mean, we'll talk about it later. But I, I, I think they'll make it just by virtue of the fact that only three games left and West Ham losing today wasn't um, good for that when they are five points off. I think yeah. they probably still have enough to get over the line. There's, there's a concern as well that uh, Manchester United could roll over and die against them on Tuesday. By the time this podcast comes out, oh, this yes. game will have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously Manchester United play Leicester on Tuesday, followed by Liverpool on Thursday. Um, for Liverpool to have any chance, and really West Ham to have any chance, Leicester probably need to go winless for the rest of the three games. I think it's a serious possibility. But, you know, well, I don't know. Not the, the, not, not, in me not the final day when it comes, if it comes down to the final. It won't be like that. The final day if it comes down to it, Tottenham with nothing to play for other than a Harry Kane golden Tottenham boot. won't be there. A Harry Kane golden boot, Chris. The guy yeah. needs to move this summer. And that, they'll put that in the trophy cabinet. And Harry will be seething once he's seen the goal that was ruled out for him this week for VAR when you look at one of those. That, that was a disgrace. Well, it was a fair. disgrace. And Harry, out of it, you know, if he loses the golden boot by one. Oh, the biggest thing going on in Leicester's favour right now is the fact that my fans ran the pitch last weekend. If it wasn't for that, mm. that is their only slither of hope, is that United game, I think. And maybe if. Results go Chelsea's way early. You know, Chelsea might already have top four, might not care about that game. Mm. I, I could see them going over three here. Well, I, I don't know how the FA Cup final affects it as well. It's I, I, Chelsea again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because that, the heads could go. And players before that final could be thinking, God, you know, I really don't want to get injured. They just dial it back 10%, mm. make sure they're playing in the final. Listen, it's a massive. Who could tell um, scenario really, and, and we'll see in a few but, weeks. But but like right now, are you seriously predicting West Ham will get fourth now? No, no, I I, I believe, and I thought it for a few weeks now. I think Liverpool will. I think Tottenham will be Man City, United, Chelsea, Liverpool. I think that is a bold take. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure about that. I think realistically, I believe Leicester will will get it. Um, <laughs> but. But I hope they don't, because it would be funny. 
<laughs> it would be Brilliant. funny. Um, we talked about Harry Kane a little bit there. Do we want to move on and talk about uh, Leeds versus Spurs? Um, Smack. This is a bad result for Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, losing 3-1 to a Leeds team with absolutely nothing to play for um, at this stage of the season. The Spurs were terrible. I mean, Eric Dyer is an absolute disgrace. But the, see the thing about Eric Dyer. We fairly we thought I think he was in our halftime team of the season, or he was like a, he was an undercard. He was like a sub. He was really good for the first half of the season when we said Tottenham would win mm. the league. <laughs> um, the DNA of Tottenham got to him. But it's it's just like I, I mean, do 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 you not think there's something in Bielsa versus Ryan Mason here as well? Yeah. Though, like Honestly. I mean, you know, like stuff like Gareth Bale's ridiculous lack of defensive contribution to, against yeah. Leeds United yeah. who just go all out attack against you all the time I mean mm. like why would you play Bale in that scenario well I'm not sure it's a Bielsa versus I, I, I just worry are people does Ryan Mason have the authority like is he if, well, you, look at, if you look at the Bamford goal I mean all of the Spurs defenders are standing still in the box as Bamford moves to yeah. get himself open for the cutback to tap it into the net now Really, a manager like Bielsa or a Tuchel or a David Moyes, even those, you would be yeah. screaming at your defence for a lack of yeah, effort. Yeah, You've yeah. got to want to keep the ball out of the net. And I just wonder with Ram Mason, with Spurs, they kind of feel like their season's over. Like the effort is not there. He has no control over Serge Aurier, for example. Well, nobody <laughs> does. Nobody does. Well, no Chris. One does nobody does. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I, but I'm surprised people like, you know, like, like Hugo Lloris. Like, he must have some... The guy captained France to win the World Cup. Like, he must have some authority in that dressing room. But, like, you never see him gurning at them, even the way that, like, Pickford does or something. Yeah, like, he's, he's just kind of there, you know. And it's oh, like, well, we, did, we did see him gurn at Son Heung-min last season. He took it out on Son. Oh, that, that was brilliant. That was even though deserved. whatever went on was probably everyone else's fault. It was kind of a pick <laughs> on the... Pick on the small kid guy. sort of thing. It was very, <laughs> yeah, softest guy I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> stuck in a head. Pick a fight, yeah, you know I, you'll I, win. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you mentioned it, Chris. I like. I'm a big detractor, Bielsa. All this. Crazy. Well, we know we know that. <laughs> we know we know that. Yeah. <laughs> I think this weekend, like I think this game showed the value of having a good coach, Ramsey, <laughs> because well connected as he is, and you know. Going out and like, he definitely just tells these boys go out there and work hard. That's the type of management he's given. Go out, what? work hard, give it to yeah. Gareth, give it to Harry. Whereas Bielsa, yeah, he's tactically just got this spot on. Has drilled these players for two, se- three seasons now. Sorry, in that he's got them so well conditioned. I've got to give it to him. It's been a fantastic season for Leeds, and this game I think showed showed Leeds at their best. Mm-hmm. What wasn't expecting yeah. at all from them. Uh, I think the stat was, I think they've got they're the first uh, promoted team to go unbeaten at home against the Super Six since like twenty eleven. Super Six. I, yeah, because I don't want to call them the Big Six because they're not big, the, but they're the, 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 the Super the League crowd. Traditional yeah, big boys. I'd actually call them the five <laughs> at this stage, but that's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's like yeah. phenomenal. The, be promoted and not to lose to any of them. I've got to give them full credit because they have actually been good. I just like the shit on them. Yeah, and to do it not parking the bus and being yep. tough to beat. Like to, They've stuck to their guns and they've played their way and 
whilst it doesn't always work and I've been a bit of a detractor of it at times in, in certain moments of big games, you have to admire the fact that they've done it. And players who, you know, you would say on paper, maybe you'd be surprised to see them doing so well in the Premier League. Well, it's like hard to Patrick. describe why they're good. Yeah, That's Patrick, the thing. Yeah, they're, you know, Patrick Bamford has 15 goals this season or something. Yeah. Like, that's a fantastic return. Bamford's yeah. Bamford been immense. No, ba- ba- Bamford has been good. Yeah, like, Stuart it, Dallas has even scored. Yeah. Well, Stuart Dallas has been the best. But it's a 4-1-4-1. Like, even just as one example of how it's... I, I, actually, the goalkeeper has done better in recent weeks as well. I don't know if you've noticed that. Mm-hmm. He's, he's Shh, don't say good. that. <laughs> um, <laughs> just as one example, as, like, you know, Bielsa versus Mason. Um, like, like, Calvin Phillips dropped. Robin Koch hasn't played in about six months. Straight into CDM, and the wee pivot nullifies Tottenham. You know, mm-hmm. For example, like who would ever think of that? You're always going to play Callum Phillips. Plays Ringland, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So. And it's it's one of the things. Watching the game, I was like, how how much better can Leeds get? Like if Leeds just add a couple of like normal pre- like <laughs> Premier League standard players, as you would think, because a lot of these boys have come from the Championship with Bielsa. If you can give a couple of Big signings in certain positions, centre back, I think in particular. Yeah. It's going to be a seriously good team. I think left back as well. I don't think Alioski's good enough for the Prem at left back. He's okay. Yeah. I think he's, he's okay, but I don't like anyway. his number. I don't like his number 10. Yeah, he's yeah. number like 10. Yeah. I don't like that. Get that. Is that guy, guy, that guy, that defender used to play for Chelsea, Billy, Dutch guy, Bularus. He was number nine. He was number nine, yeah. That was a Not disgrace. Like, yeah. You, you Centre back, that. Darren. Yeah. Number nine. Listen, you don't have to tell me because I'm with you. <laughs> can't be having that at all. But then, as I say that, then they have certain signings like Rafinha. Guy oh, meant. Yeah. What a player. Yeah. So he has this guy, need, this guy is going to go to the next level. Like, yeah. So yeah. They, do well, get, they do get these signings, right? Patrick Bamford was selling him off in his interview a few months ago, if you remember. He, do you remember he did the whole... Uh, when they were talking about Rafinha, he said something along the lines of, I can't believe a top club, or uh, not that Leeds aren't a top club, but, and it was sort of the backtrack thing, but it's, I couldn't believe a top club didn't buy him. <laughs> um, and that's the, that's the other thing, obviously. You, you see this all the time when teams come up and do well, and then one, one or two of their players then kind of get poached to quote-unquote bigger teams or whatever. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I imagine it'll be a tough, it'll be a tough side to sign for. Like, I imagine... You have to buy team. into it, don't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah you got to be a certain type of player, and then I imagine you really got to get sort of inducted into the team. Like I yes. imagine, you know, you, like I think even if Bielsa signs somebody in July, they're probably not in the team until January at the earliest. Yeah, <laughs> they complete like a hundred bleep tests. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's a, that's a hard sell as a player as well. You know, you can say, yeah, we play this fantastic football, but one, you're coming to Leeds, and two. You're going to be running the hell of a lot in pre-season. Yeah. Well, it took Rafinha ages to get into the team, yeah. for example. Yeah. yeah. I know so we're assuming with this result that Spurs, any hopes they had of you know, top four, whatever, those are dead. And dead. I, I can't see it. Yeah. So they are. And if we're talking about other teams that are in the mix for, for top four, um, obviously we've discussed Leicester. There's also West Ham and Liverpool. Liverpool had a good result this weekend, uh, beating Southampton by two goals to nil, um, which was a surprise result for me. And I'll get into the why of that in a bit. Um, and West Ham also um, suffered a tough loss, one nil um, today to Everton. So I, I think it stops us getting the top four, which is really disappointing. But like, you really can't complain. It was still our best season ever. 
I mean, like, it was an Ancelotti masterclass. And, oh, like, the amount of times I was shouting at um, Tom Davis and Alan and Seamus Coleman, who were just like, they were just nabbing into every single, like, <laughs> just, you know, especially Seamus Coleman. I mean, the amount of times he swore Kufal mm-hmm. um, was uh, was quite funny. <laughs> um, but uh, they, just, they, they just didn't create. And Cresswell went off injured and uh, Lingard wasn't. Uh, it, it, it was, you know, it was it was the way it is. Everyone's a good team. And that always could have happened. There's not really much to, like, it, it's disappointing, but there's not really, not really anything you can say. It's, it's the way it is. So mm-hmm. yeah. I think what West Ham, I think more than anyone recently, have been done so hard by injuries. I think, like, the midfield three today, yeah. there's, like, one recognised midfielder in it. Yeah, and that's when he went off as well. So, and he actually did really well in that Declan Rice role last time, uh, but he went off injured in the first half. So, yeah, it's, exactly. And Rice is that good that Rice yeah. makes this team so much better. You yeah. mentioned Allen there. One of the <sighs> great moments of the season, whenever he absolutely chopped, I think it was Fernals down. Mm-hmm. Moyes is like standing right behind him, screaming, and Allen just gets up, going, "Yeah, yeah. I know what I've done. What do you want me to do?" And like Moyes's anger just seemed to like disappear. <laughs> I can't get angry at this guy. He's already held his hands up, going, "Yeah, I've chopped him down. What are you going to do?" Is, the, is this and, the is this the one that um, almost before he'd even made contact with Fornals, he had the thumb up to the referee, yeah, 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 the yeah. card that he was going to receive? Like it was just fantastic. Like it was, it was just a great bit of play from that, like that kind of player. Like he knows it. Referees know it. Moyes knows it. Fantastic, oh, why? Fantastic huh? challenge. But yeah, I, I also I don't know if you realise because um, we all you know we all love Carl Ancelotti in this uh, podcast. You know, part of his backroom team is his son. Have you have you heard about this? Oh, a bit of nepotism, love it. Oh, I didn't but like, this. but I find that fascinating because he's one of the best coaches to ever be in the game, and yet he ha- he gets his son on board. He he must, he must be good. Like wow, you know, apparently he's been with him at a few clubs. Bit of pocket money. Yeah, <laughs> bit of pocket money. <laughs> so it is. I I one of the things as you chat about Carler there. I think one thing Cartman needs to sort out for next season is the Calvert-Lewin Richarlison relationship. (laughs) (laughs) Those two, it's like watching Rebury and Robin that year, where it's just like these two will just not pass to each other. Yeah, There's clearly something going on where one of these two gets a goal bonus at the end of the season, and they're that close that neither of them just are passing it. It's horrendous to watch, and Carlo needs to sort it out as did, soon as possible. I did notice there was a two-on-one, I think at one point, or a two-on-two, where any other player you would see Richardson, uh, Calvert-Lewin was on the ball, and Richardson, you would say, run wide, open the space mm. up, and then make a run, and, and he'll play it in behind for you. And Richardson did the complete opposite. He actually kind of cut across him to take the defender away, and it was almost like, a, I know he's not going to pass to me, so I'm just <laughs> going to create an angle for him to shoot. It's a real toxic like workplace to be in. Yeah. So it is like you're you're going for you're you're one nil up. You need to win the game, and it's like yeah, we actively don't want each other to do well. Mm. Horrible. And speaking of players who don't pass to each other, it was the first link up the season. Sky loved this. Sky were all <clears> over this uh, at the weekend. It was the first link up between Salah and Mane for a goal this season. It's the first time one of the players has assisted the other all season. Good stuff. Get to see a couple of hugs. You know, like, the mood's changing. I've said Liverpool's going to get top four and that those two are now on ball-passing terms. Sky's the limit. Well, um, 10 of the 25-man squad were unavailable for selection because of injury. Um, <laughs> that, that's never ideal, um, heading into no. the end of the season. Um, this was a really surprised result 
to me, um, as I mentioned before. Against Southampton? Um, against Southampton, and I'll tell you why. I've seen this game a million times in my brain, and it's Liverpool dominate play, score the first goal, and then in the 94th minute of the match, Yannick Vestergaard, who's been playing striker for the last 10 minutes, <laughs> heads in an equaliser from a corner. And that's completely what I expected to happen. Um uh, the entire time it was 1-0 I had absolutely zero confidence that Liverpool were going to win the game I just thought I've seen this film before <laughs> I, you know Alisson great game did have a moment where he kicked it to Che yeah, Adams he did. and yeah, you thought did. yeah this is it this is what we we knew this was happening some way shape or form and this is how it's going to happen they got away with it uh, Thiago scored a goal I don't know if you saw this nonsense that Sky Sports they've clearly invested in some software that creates like a 3D recreation of goals <laughs> yes yes I know what you're talking about and, yeah. they, and they, they showed it for both of the goals and they're like let's look at it from this different perspective that showed nothing that the real pictures didn't show that is a waste <laughs> whoever at Sky authorised that payment has wasted a lot of money um, because that was useless um, so it was a surprising result for me um, I enjoyed seeing it you know I'd be shocked if for Liverpool to get off where they need to win their way in and hope that results elsewhere go their way. Well, you're playing West Brom. And one of your, I mean, so are we, but you're playing West Brom. It, Liverpool's run-in on paper looks quite good, except when you notice that basically all of those teams have taken three points from Liverpool already this season. <laughs> um, Southampton have beaten Liverpool earlier in the year. Uh, West Brom have beaten Liverpool. Have you got Sheffield before. United? No, in, Sheffield in United did not beat Liverpool. That's. But, um, but have you got them in the running? No. It's oh, right. um, Burnley are one of the teams. Burnley, who have been. Oh, you're not winning that. Yeah, yeah. no, no Sean Dyche supports the club. <laughs> <laughs> you, you say that. We've, Massive we've, claim. He's a big red. He is he a big a, red. He is a big red. <laughs> um, is he not Watford or something? I don't know no, he's a big red. Right? He's a big he's red. As many. Red people in professional football are. Um, I have my list of what those may be for another episode. Um, but yes, Liverpool's run-in is uh, Southampton this weekend. They beat 2-0. Southampton previously beaten Liverpool. Um, Manchester United, uh, who I think drew with Liverpool before. West Brom, who have beaten Liverpool. Burnley, who have beaten Liverpool. And Palace, who lost 7-0 to Liverpool, but obviously ran riot this weekend. So... It's a bit another be, like like you know what happened, Billy. They will get in, and it'll be really irritating. And because uh, City won the League Cup, and uh, the FA Cup is Leicester and Chelsea, that means sixth and seventh are Europa League. As well, well, yeah, it's put, it's put me in a bit of a dilemma. Of who, who would I rather see top four between Leicester and Liverpool? <sighs> so it is, and I think I've just slandered Leicester enough this season, <sighs> where I'm in the point where I'm like. I just let Liverpool have. But you want to see Liverpool on Thursday nights in Kazakhstan? I mean, we all want to see that. I don't want to see that. Yeah. <laughs> there is part of me wants to see that, but then there's also a part of me that wants to see Brendan Rodgers have to do that. Like, not to see... <laughs> He's already done that this year. Yeah, and he was pathetic, so he deserves to go back and give it a better go. Yeah. I also am interested to see which club ends up potentially in the UEFA Europa Conference. Is that next? Is that next season? That's next season it starts. I've no idea how it works, who's qualifying, what way qualification goes. But one English club might qualify for it, and I would love that to be Leicester. I don't think they'll fall that low. Although, that being said, I have no idea what the qualification criteria I, is. But um, I don't know. I would imagine that it is <laughs> below Europa League, and I, you know, Leicester aren't falling that. 
I, I think Leicester are getting top four. For content purposes and for the, the benefit of this podcast, I'd love Leicester to fall outside the, the top four. And I wouldn't care who gets in out of West Ham and Liverpool if Leicester were to drop out. It, I would have a field day on the next day or the end of season episode. It would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. But no. do I see it happening? No, probably not. No, just just in my head to see either Leicester or Liverpool play against Linfield next season. Be hilarious <laughs> <laughs> on a Thursday night. <laughs> it's weird. I mean, we're talking about this. It could all be decided by the time this comes out if Leicester beat Manchester United on Tuesday. Oh, absolutely. Um, so anyway, and... uh, uh, just a fact check: the Europa Conference League qualification is by winning the uh, EFL Cup. Well, that's silly. Won that? So well, that yeah, that doesn't... you qualify for the playoff stages of the. Europa Conference League, but City won that. But City won, uh, yeah. I don't know. That's but uh, that's, because that's City won it. Premier like, League uh, website, but I think it goes to like Premier League position because City won it. What's the sixth and seventh going to the conference rather than the Europa League? I, I think it, honestly, I have no Listen, idea how this works. Goodness no gracious me! Like, like everything else, this episode, it's a big who could say. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big who could say situation. Nobody knows. We'll find out at some point. Um, we'll, we'll find out in September. Somebody will play in it. That's all we know. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, just very quickly before we go into in the mud, um, Billy, you brought this up off air. A uh, lot of red cards, what you were calling uh, tactical red cards, handed out this week um, to players who have nothing to play for that you believe <laughs> is a scheme to get them a couple of weeks off before the end of the season. <laughs> it's a two-week holiday, essentially, is what you were suggesting some players got involved with. There were three red cards. Um, Ollie Watkins, was, I think he, he was a second yellow, so I don't think yes. he gets all three weeks off, he but he will off, get a bit yep. of time off. Um, for diving, Neil Mopé. Uh, a man who has already given away a penalty after the full-time whistle this season has now also been sent <laughs> off after the full-time whistle uh, for some visceral reaction to John Moss. Uh, and Lewis Dunk, who was just done for pace by somebody almost half his age and just shirt-pulled him as last man and accepted, I will take a red and I'll take my holiday, thank you. The Lewis Dunk one was hilarious, because up to that point Lewis Dunk was having a fantastic game of football. Yeah, scored a goal. And then just at one point, gets he just sees Timothy Chalamet run past him and has to take him down. <laughs> There's nothing else he can do in that situation. So that, that, that's a legitimate red card, I think. I don't think there's anything untoward there. Neil Mopé, cert, he just wants the season to be over. Three-game ban, get the holiday booked, feed up, go somewhere sunny. What a guy. Like, could you imagine... like? Imagine being Graham Potter trying to phone up Neil this week to turn up the training. What on earth do you want me there for? And and also, obviously, you know, couldn't happen to a nicer guy, as we've said before on this show. Neil Mopé getting sent off. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's indeed. Not, he's an absolute delight. We actually need to watch what we're saying. I've invited him on this podcast. <laughs> for three weeks, so let's not chirp him too much. I would say the chances on that invitation being accepted are slim to none. Look, let's, look, let's see what happens. Yeah. So... Just on the fact that Brighton lost that match to a team that's on the beach, is Brighton finishing seventeenth a successful season for Brighton? Yes. Okay. Because they remain up. They remain up. Get the Premier League money again. Go and invest it in a striker this summer. They'll be in the conference, perhaps. But that guy if, will. If, if you're allowed to put a team forward for this conference, Europa conference nonsense, <laughs> because Manchester City won the EFL Cup, if we're allowed to put a team forward, I'd like it to go to a fan vote. I'd like everyone to vote for Brighton. Oh, Brighton would definitely win that, wouldn't they? Oh, they would. Oh, they absolutely <laughs> win that. 
Anyway, Bailey, uh, who's in the mud this week? Uh, this week it is Scottish Club St Mirren. Uh, so great club, great club. Eh, fair enough, shout. But whenever you hear this, you might think different <laughs> members of staff. Yeah, maybe wait until you, you've heard what they've done, Christopher. Uh, <laughs> so this week, uh, people may have seen uh, Man City winger Riyad Mahrez absolutely steal the show against PSG on a pitch with Neymar, Di Maria, De Bruyne. He completely stood out as he did in the first leg as well. And it's a massive achievement, given that many years ago he's actually struggling to find a club. Uh, the winger, uh, a former coach described the winger as technically gifted, but a slender build deterred many clubs from making a permanent move. Uh, he officially began his career with the French fourth division team, but before that, a young Mares attended a trial at Scottish side St. Mirren. And then and in an interview with L'Equipe, uh, the International opened up about his very cold trial in Scotland. Uh, he said, an agent told me uh, he had a trial for me in the Scottish First Division with St Mirren Reserves. He paid for my ticket and I went, from an, I went with another guy from Paris. It went well. I played four friendlies and I scored seven goals. I killed them. <laughs> <laughs> and then they made me wait two and a half months. Mara said he had enough of waiting around for months, so he borrowed a bike to escape. In a quote, he said, It drove me crazy, Scotland. It was cold. It was abuse. It was snowing and everything. I was so cold that one day I faked an injury to go to the locker room. It was physical and it was cold. It keeps saying cold. And we trained in the snow. I felt that I progressed. I wasn't allowed to go, so I left in secret. Anyway, a few days later, my agent said, Riyaz, Riyad, I've sent you a ticket. You take the bus right away, get off at Glasgow Station, and you get on the train to the airport. Then you take the first flight to Paris. He said, I did not speak English at all. I left my boots at the training ground, so I borrowed a bike from a guy at the hotel. I took my football trainers, I made my bag, and I left without telling anyone, not even a lady, at the hotel. I left via a staircase, which avoided the reception. I was quite happy to come back because Scotland was very different and very cold. I was young, he said. I'd never been away for that long. Uh, but he does go on to actually praise the club a bit. He says, despite all the negatives around the trial and how cold it was, the winger admits there's positive, saying, in the two months in Scotland, I really improved physically. I played with the English spirit as well. Strange, because Riyadh, you're in St Mirren, just in Scotland. <laughs> uh, it was very physically intense and I think these two months helped me when I came back to France I had better movement better things in my qualities and then obviously Riyadh has now gone on to win an FA Cup a million league cups and will soon win his third Premier League title so yeah St Mirren some guy there he's seen Riyadh score seven goals in four games and decided nah not for me well I mean not to poke holes in that story from Riyadh but he was never rejected at any point. He was just asked to, you know, accept a process of recruitment that St. Mirren go through, and he decided he didn't want to do that because he was cold. He was skipping training. It sounds like his work ethic was terrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, based I go on down. this story, it's a, yeah. it's a minor miracle he's made it to the level he made to. <laughs> I go down yeah, the I, stairs to avoid the receptionist. Yeah. I mean, you know, a bit of character forming needs to be built yeah. there. Mm. There's it's a Netflix. Just... There's a Netflix series in that. <laughs> Escape <laughs> from St. Mirren. Yeah, so what you're saying is Riyadh, his qualities and his mindset has enabled him to get to the very top of the game with Man City, but with that same mindset, this guy could never have made it in the Scottish First Division. This yeah. guy could not have made it at Celtic or Rangers. Yeah, that's what I think, yeah. <laughs> I 
<laughs> which is a real interesting thing about football. You're just like the, the path you go on can be very funny and lead you certain ways. This guy obviously had fantastic qualities and is now showing it off, winning Premier League. He's been the standout player for Leicester that season. But at St Mirren, just wasn't for him. Couldn't do just, it. Just what? couldn't hack it. Also won the African Cup of Nations, Billy, with Algeria. Oh yeah, I imagine much warmer climate. Like it's that guy, uh, Jean Michel Serre from Fulham. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just 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 can't play. He's a hot weather player. Can't One of the great cold. Fulham signings in that season. Yeah, <laughs> famously can't play in the cold. Yeah. Anyway, boys, thank you very much uh, for that today. Uh, just for everyone listening, a little bit of housekeeping. Um, there will be no podcast next week um, because of the awkward Premier League fixtures. Game week 36 is at the weekend and then game week 37 is Tuesday, Wednesday of the following week. So it just doesn't align with our uh, schedule. We will be talking about things that then could completely be wrong. So um, there will be no podcast next week. And then the following week, we will have our end of season roundup. And the week after that, that's when we will do our last podcast of the season that we'll maybe get a little bit of interaction with some people via Instagram where we'll have more details on that to follow but a bit of housekeeping there will be no podcast next week boys thank you very much for uh, being here I ask it every week Christopher any final words from you I, I do actually I get your get your chat in uh, to, the, to the DMs about who we should consider for our, our end of season awards even though we'll ultimately make all the final decisions and probably not based what you said in that decision but 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 do it anyway get involved i completely agree send in your views so we can disregard them entirely it's <laughs> been an entire episode taking a piss out of them yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right listen guys thank you very much for being here and we will see you in two weeks